If it's just us, we could probably just do um, Black Widow and uh, Loki, unless you feel a burning desire to talk about Geiger or Ordinary Gods. No. No, I, I have nothing kind to say about Ordinary Gods. <laughs> I don't either, which is kind of disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was really excited for that book, and, uh, you know, I don't want to shit on, on, on a, on, on a uh, first issue, but, man, <laughs> I was really expecting more from that book. I'm not loving Geiger, either, honestly. Oh, really? It's okay. You know, I'm a little confused about its place and time, and I, and this was the first issue on Geiger where I felt like it was... Uh, the issue started in the 60s, and now we're in the 70s. Yeah, it definitely like seems to bounce back and forth in time without clear delineation. Right. But, you know, I, I kind of was under the imp- opinion that, you know, Beast in the Basement was uh, Jackie Kennedy. Yeah. Because, you know, there's the whole fascination with... You know King Arthur and the Knights and whatnot, and then it cuts back and there's a there is a image of a portrait that looks like Jack Kennedy and and his wife Jackie standing in front of what appears to be Camelot, and I'm like, oh, and is you know the crazy king John John? You know what? It hadn't <laughs> occurred to me. Well, and they specifically said his father was a senator. It just seemed like. That was the impression I was supposed to take. At a, at a minimum, it feels like they're emulating the Kennedys, but uh, meaning the the two characters, you know. But I also wonder if you know we're not supposed to take away from that that you know this is the Kennedy family. You could be right. I mean, I'm trying to think if any of the technology feels more modern than that, like any of the cars or anything. But not necessarily. I mean, it could. Right. It's hard to it's hard to place it into. Yeah. Hmm. I thought you meant like the actual timeline of the book itself, because like in the I I read issue three and four simultaneously. And issue three definitely bounces back and forth in time frame, and it right. confused the hell out of me. Certainly, the whole bomb shelter thing was was a product of the fifties and sixties, more so the fifties. Mm-hmm. But Camelot wasn't a thing until the sixties, right? Yeah, you know. And so I, you know, looking at that, I'm like, I was like, okay, well, when did this start? Now, where it is now, you know, if, if, if in fact this started, you know, uh, either, you know, like, you know, Kennedy administration, um, and the age of the character of, you know, that I'm just going to call John John, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that would, that would put this late seventies, early eighties, right? Yeah. So I, it's, it's just hard. I'm, I'm having a hard time pinning it down. <laughs> and by the way, welcome, Wayne. We weren't sure you were going to join us this morning. Welcome, guys. I am highly annoyed. <laughs> highly just, annoyed. We're just rolling right into the anger. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I uh, went to the trouble of getting all caught up on uh, uh, 
Titans season two. Oh yeah. Because I, for the life of me, couldn't remember where I where I finished up on that one, and uh, so I went back and I rewatched the. It turns out to rewatch the last three episodes. Um, anyway, I did the time. I, uh, I now I now I remember what happened in season two. I'm ready for season three, which I thought was supposed to debut in July. But according to the article I'm reading online, that uh, it does not return until Thursday, August 12th, where they're going to drop three episodes on HBO Max. Oh, okay. And I'm like, God dang it. I could have been doing almost anything else. <laughs> you know, because, <laughs> because, you know, Titan Season 2, not a great show, which is why I couldn't remember the ending. Uh, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> bad it's but, just not great no exactly exactly and paul i don't recall have you finished season two no i think the last episode i've seen of Titans season two may have been the one where they flashed back to what happened to jericho oh okay you know i i actually rather enjoy the jericho storyline mm-hmm. i thought that was well handled um what i what drives me crazy about the the titan show is kind of the same thing that drives me crazy about the cw uh dc shows mm-hmm. is that instead of the heroes running into the action they stand around and pose a lot you know mm-hmm. and then people people get killed because they were too busy standing there posing um I find that super frustrating in the way these things are shot because it just seems so slow. I feel like, you know, just a guy with a shotgun could take care of all of this stuff instead of, you know, the guy standing there posing. In fact, you know, and I'm going to spoil some stuff here, but uh, in season two, but I figure if anybody had a real high priority on watching it, they would have watched it before (laughs) I did. Yeah. there is the big throwdown fight uh, at the end of the season with uh, Deathstroke, mm-hmm. and you know uh, Nightwing shows up as you know Donna Troy and Coriander and Raven, feel, oh Dawn, uh, you know Dove uh, are are all in this car, you know, about to get sliced up by you know Deathstroke, and you know. Nightwing shows up and then he throws down with Deathstroke and all the girls stay in the car. <laughs> and I'm like, the fuck? <laughs> I just, I, I, I'm like dumbfounded by this. They just all going to stay in the car. <laughs> and then, you know, at, at, and it, this is what's amazing is I love Donna Troy. I love Donna Troy in all shapes and forms. I love her in the comics. I actually love her in Titans. She dies in the last episode. Wow. A stupid, stupid death in the last episode. But I didn't remember that. I've seen that episode before. I had forgotten that I had watched the last three episodes of Titans. And I'm watching it going, wow, I did not remember this. But I had, in fact, watched it. That just demonstrates to to me how uh, ambivalent and how, you know, irritating the show is that I suppressed the memory. <laughs> but the thing that drives me crazy about it is that she's dead. They've taken her back to Titan's Tower. They've had, you know, a memorial service. They are shipping her body in a casket back to Themyscira. And Raven says, you know, I might be able to help her. I'm going to go with her. Well, you know, maybe if you're able to help her, don't put her in a coffin. (laughs) You know, if there's something you can do, don't put her in a coffin. Just just putting that out there. Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, if you can can do something for me, don't put me in a coffin first. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> See, that is sad yeah. to hear, though, Eric, because like I forced myself through season one. I watched one episode of season two, but I haven't watched any of the rest. And I want to see yeah. Crypto. That's the only reason I watched and, and myself through season one. There is some really nice utilization of Crypto in, Connor, in season honestly. two. Honestly, I mean, I thought both yeah. both characters worked well. Yeah, but yeah. I would say out of all the characters in season one, Donna Troy was the only one that felt like the actual character. Well, and you actually get to see her in the red tights this season. And I love that. I mean, I love seeing her in the classic uniform, you know? Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, so I think that back. Uh, Hawk also felt like the, the actual character. For better or worse. I agree. Yeah. I, you know, here's yeah. the thing. Yeah, are, though I'm not a big Hawk and Dove fan. I, I like... Honestly, I don't think the problem for me with Titans is the actors. I think you no, know, I like agree. I think the guy who plays Nightwing is visually it, he he's straight up Dick Grayson for me. He he, he does yeah. such a good job in that role. He looks the role, but they're just not given much to work with. I think the issue it really boils down to the writing and the 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 format of the show, especially in in the case of mm-hmm. season two. It bounced back and forth between flashback episode. Current episode, flashback episode, current yeah. episode, and that's what it was frustrating to watch. Yeah. and um, I think for for all its attempts to be a more mature show, it's basically a CW show with the f bomb in it. That that's really all Correct. it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would I mean I would agree with a lot of that, Paul. The, the actors I think look the parts. The costumes mm-hmm. I think look good. It's just the writing and stories that I've had issues with. You know, with the exception yeah. of uh, there are a few characters that seem just over the edge different like uh you know starfire and beast boy particularly yeah. the fact that beast boy can only change into one animal really <laughs> well, bothers me it's cheaper <laughs> um <laughs> right oh and you I, know I, that's why they did it it just that bothers me so much well now that i know that i have till august i'll probably watch an episode a week um because <laughs> i think i've got five episodes left of season two i'll, I'll yeah. watch an episode a week leading up to season three because I, I do want to give season three a shot i'm curious to see what they'll do with red hood and um you know some of the new characters that they're yeah, bringing tim Dr- tim drake comes in this yep, season tim drake so, so. Yeah, I'm, and we get to see I, I saw a thing online the other day that we're actually going to see batman this season which is, not just bruce yeah Wayne. which sucks because the batman the guy they chose for for bruce wayne slash batman is it, terrible oh i disagree i mean he's not he's not your standard choice but i really like i really like this interpretation he's he, you know he wouldn't be my first choice but i think he works yeah see i just didn't think it worked for for me it didn't work the old man batman um i mean i get it right for dick for dick grayson to be the age he is in the show you you can't cast a you know a 37 year old as batman right right but yeah for the 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 old man batman just didn't work for me yeah but i'm sorry it's okay well i mean let's talk about since we're talking about you know hbo max let's talk about the big new streaming release this week well you could watch it in theaters or you could pay 30 dollars on disney premiere a disney plus premiere to have access Mm -hmm. to black widow now if you did not pay your 30 bucks black widow will be included in the cost of your disney plus in october i believe it's a long time but for 30 bucks you you can watch it as many times including downloading it um and, and you know before that date so that's what i did just putting that out there i did not go to the theater to see black widow i paid the 30 dollars. i'm like and now me and my family have all seen black widow off of that 30 dollar <laughs> so, so seven people have seen black widow off of one 30 dollar purchase whereas if jen and i went to the theaters only two people would have seen yeah, black widow for right. 30 dollars. i saw so much anger online about the cost and 
that's the thing that people just don't seem to get. You would spend more if you're going with multiple people oh, to a the theater. Yeah. You know, that, well, and you I, just popcorn and, and soda, yeah. you know, at the theater, if you're somebody who does that. And I'm going to be uh, honest. I'm going to do the exact same thing when Jungle Cruise comes out later this month um, with The Rock and Emily Blunt. I am actually very uh-huh. much looking forward to it. And that would be something I, if, if it was on the big screen only, I'd go to the theaters. Mm-hmm. But when you give me the choice, we talked a little bit about this last week. When you give me the choice, I'm, I'm going with Disney Plus on it because this way I my entire family can watch it for one cost. I can right. pause it when I have to pee. I can I can drink alcohol and I don't have to pay for new alcohol. I can just drink the alcohol <laughs> I have. It's 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 wondrous. Yeah. Oh, and you can drink top shelf alcohol. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm assuming that they're going to do the same thing with Shang-Chi. But um, no, I don't think so. I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, they haven't announced that yet. That they if they it. do, I will definitely be doing it that way, and I'll be watching Same. it at home versus theater. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, I, I want to level set expectations on my feelings regarding Black Widow. I feel like Disney Plus was an appropriate place for Black Widow. Um, you felt you feel like theaters were? No, I feel like Disney Plus was. Oh, I feel yeah. like Black Widow was Disney Plus quality material. I feel like I would have been disappointed more had I seen it in the theater. Um, so you did not care for the film? I cared. I liked it. I didn't love it. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I know this is probably people will say, oh, you know, it's just because it's a Black Widow movie and, you know, I'm sexist or something. But I'm not. You know, I've been very much looking forward to this film. I think Scarlett Johansson is, you know, um, great in the role. And I'm a fan of everyone in this film. Rachel Weisz. Florence Pugh, David Harbour, um, Ray yeah, Winston. Paul, Paul, it's like I've said uh, all along. If this movie came out 10 years ago, I'd have been super hyped about it. Yeah. Um, but I just, I felt like for for what it was worth, for a film named Black Widow, that was, it, Black Widow really didn't win any battles or defeat <laughs> any bad guys. She really just got her ass kicked the entire film. For me, the highlight of the film was Florence Pugh, and I thought Florence Pugh did a bang up, bang up job as um, you know the new Black Widow. I guess is what they're setting up here. So, couple things. Yes. Um, like yourself, I watched it at home. I am stunned that I was willing to spend the thirty dollars because I've said previously on the show I wasn't going to do that. I'm a weak, weak man, Paul. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you know, I. I fear that, like Martin Scorsese and Barry Diller have both said, that the movie industry is dead. Um, I, I think that people are going are far, going to be far too used to being able to see first run major motion pictures in the comfort of their own home, and there is something really to be said for that. And I know a lot of people, like yourself, Paul, will say, "Oh man, you know, there there are films that just have to be seen on the big screen." I kind of disagree. Uh, we all have, you know, it, we live in a day and age where we've got, you know, motion picture quality sound in our homes, and we've all got these great big flat screen high definition televisions. Um, I am all about 
watching TV in the comfort of my home, watching movies in the comfort of my home. Yeah. That said, I, I, I don't, I don't know how the theater industry comes back from it, particularly given the prices they charge mm-hmm. uh, for everything. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I, I you know, I, I do enjoy going to the movie theaters. I just really enjoy the option and the comfort of seeing it in my own home. Yeah. That said, I, I think the problem with Black Widow is not. Uh, is is not the story or the action in this film. I think it's that the audience doesn't understand what, what Black Widow is all about. First of all, Black Widow is not about Natasha Romanoff. It is it is not about the character that we have known about uh, as Black Widow. It is about Black Widows. And I think that would have been a better movie title because it would have told you what this movie was about. This movie was about an, the organization that has created these uh, Black Widows, and it's an origin story for uh, Elena. Is that her name in the, in, in the movie? Yeah. Um, I, I think that uh, really... Natasha Romanoff is a supporting character mm-hmm. uh, because the, the film is really about uh, you know Elena's character and all in her origin story and the shared time that she and Natasha Romanoff had as children. Um, I think when viewed that way, it's a much better film. Um, I, I really dug this movie and I like what's queued up in the final scene and spoilers julia louis dreyfus shows up in the post credit scene you know mm-hmm. as uh uh Madame hydra yeah <laughs> and so i'm dying to know if that end credit scene was shot before i've been googling to see if i could find out if it was because i was like was it was this always the plan, or did they refilm right. an end credit sequence to set up? Because, uh, right. uh, you know, to, to continue the spoilers, it sets up that Yelena, Yelena sorry, um, will be hunting down Hawkeye. So, I'm, uh, yeah, I think right. this is setting up that Hawkeye TV series. And for and given the timing of it, knowing that Hawkeye is the next live action, next one, yeah, the next one up, right? Like, was it was it re- when this always movie was going to come out? Last year was this with a was it going to have that same ending? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and I mean that it would be amazing to know that they've kept the lid on it that long. Yeah, that's just amazing to me. Um, and if it's not, you know, and they went back and and shot that after they had the big idea for WandaVision, um, or I'm sorry, um, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. I, I just I think that's brilliant. I think that's you know kind of the wonderful thing that Disney and Marvel are doing now. I liked this movie. I liked this movie a lot, and I didn't like it because of Scarlett Johansson's performance, and she's fine in the film. She's fine, and I think that's about the disappointment. Because, I mean, again, I want to clarify. I liked the movie. I was actually disappointed in the Black Widow of the Black Widow movie. Sure. Well, you know, I I think there's nothing about Scarlett Johansson's performance that I think is wrong. I think they just didn't give her a whole lot to do because they were were showing off everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. I deeply loved uh, Red Guardian slash Crimson Dynamo yeah. in this movie. And I'm like, I want that movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, I thought he was great. So um, were there any surprise characters that you weren't expecting to show up? Just the ones we just mentioned. Um, in yeah. the context of the film, there were no, uh, there were references to, there's a lot of references to, um, especially if you've watched the Captain America movies, Hydra, right. you know, um, the Winter Soldier program, that kind of stuff. But as far as, uh, oh, well, 
spoilers, General Ross appears because this, this movie takes place in between Civil War and I guess the next movie after Civil War was maybe Black Panther. Um, right. because they, they make reference to Natasha being on the run after attacking the King of Wakanda and helping Captain America escape at the airfield in Civil War. And so this takes place after that. Yeah, they did do that thing in, in this movie that I hate. You know, they, they show this big, they, they show this big scene and, you know, here comes the army, you know, to get Black Widow at the end of the movie. And that cuts two weeks later and she's free and clear and, you know, gonna fly back to the States to, you know, help out the Avengers. I'm like, you know, it's kind of like the way they used to write the old uh, serials that they would show in the movie theaters. You know, you'd have Flash Gordon hanging over the fire pit with the rope about to break. And, oh, my God, how is Flash going to get out of this? And, you know, the next week it starts, so glad I got out of that fire yeah. pit, Dale. <laughs> <laughs> Without showing you how they got out of the fire pit. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was – it is definitely worth watching. Um, it is not one of the highlights of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I don't it, – it, I'd say as far as tying in whatever phase four is, it definitely seems to have the thread of Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Madame Hydra, you know, connecting to Hawkeye and now Falcon and Winter Soldier through that character. So, you know, there, there's definitely that aspect of it. And like I mentioned, Florence Pugh uh, is great as Yelena. She is. And so she's fantastic. I am very much and makes fun her. of makes fun of Natasha throughout the yeah. film, which I thought was also great. Uh, yeah. And uh, Rachel Weiss, she was great. She's always great. It's Rachel I Weiss, really, yeah. I, yeah, I really enjoyed everybody on, on the screen. Uh, I, 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 just, I, was just, I, I thought it was a very enjoyable film, and what I got out of it was a, you know, uh, Yelena origin story versus the swan song for Natasha Romanoff. The only thing that I will say is, you know, the first trailers for the film – the only thing I'll say, we've been talking about it for 15 minutes. Um, the, the next thing I'll say is that the, the, the at least the initial trailers for me were setting up a Bourne slash Mission Impossible type uh, movie. Sure. You know, where, you know, the character where maybe, uh, you know, we'd get a little bit more hand on hand, hand to hand combat, you know, maybe some some higher stakes, but like lower stakes in the case of like there's not a giant hole in the sky or, or things like that you right. know, just a, more of your standard action movie with practical effects and things like that and uh this movie is very much not that you know the final battle takes right. place on a giant floating helicarrier in this not a helicarrier basically a, a floating space station um well it's it's the it's the evil opposite of the helicarrier yeah, exactly right? <laughs> um, but i'm always amazed that you know just a couple of fans are what keep those things up in the air there's like a five minute <laughs> battle in midair while they fall from uh-huh. it like yeah it, it is it is like fast it's more fast and the furious than it is mission impossible right. <laughs> but, hey, but it's it, all about family yeah, Paul. it's all about family <laughs> um with that being said it is still uh you know I, I did enjoy it i will see it again and i won't have to pay more for it because i already paid my 30 dollars um but I, yeah I, I did enjoy it and i'm curious more for what it is setting up than for mm-hmm as a conclusion uh, for Natasha, because it really wasn't much of that other than, you know, kind of, it, it definitely put it had a, re- a, re- a resolution to her past, her shady past. Um, and, you know, set up the future with, uh, you know, for Hawkeye and beyond. Yeah. I don't think I've heard anything that makes me need to see it before it's on Disney plus for just part of my subscription in August, or October. 
Um, well, because honestly, by the time Hawkeye comes out, it will probably be available for free. Um, so, and the only movie coming out between now and then is Shang-Chi, which I can't imagine will have ties, but other than maybe Julia Louis-Dreyfus popping up again. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, overall, you know, I know we're, we, at least I probably sound a little bit more, um, lukewarm on it. I enjoyed it. Uh, I, and I, I would say if, if you're listening to this, you've pretty much already made your, up your mind if you're going to see it or not because it's a Marvel movie. It's the start of Phase Four, so I would say if you're if you're going into it, you know, adjust your expectations. Yes, you know, because uh, you know if you if you go into it thinking that uh, you're going to get a lot of great, wonderful moments with Natasha Romanoff as played by Scarlett Johansson, you're not going to get that. What you're going to get is a bunch of great, wonderful moments in the origin story of her sister Yelena. So, and some some wonderful Crimson Dynamo. Yeah, God, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and that guy's been, you know, I saw um, for uh, you uh, HBO Max subscribers. I watched No Sudden Move. Yeah, um, that's a good movie. Last week. Oh no, I haven't seen that one yet. I was thinking Nobody. So. Oh yeah, no wait. Yeah, No Sudden Move, which yeah. honestly is okay. Um, you know, it's, it's the new Steven Soderbergh movie. I was excited. Don Cheadle, uh, Benicio del Toro, David Harbor. Um, mm-hmm. is in it, and I was like, I was really kind of excited for it, but it's it's very much a, a slow movie with a really interesting last half hour. Um, so you 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 leave it feeling satisfied because the ending is good, but it definitely takes its time getting there. But anyway, where I was going with that is, I basically had a week of David Harbor movies uh, between that <laughs> and Black Widow. Yeah, but you know, we also had uh, it was a big week for Disney Plus because in addition to Black Widow, in addition to the the start of the Monsters Incorporated TV series, um, we we also had the fifth episode of Loki, uh, the the penultimate episode, as the kids say. Uh, is that what the kids say? That is what the kids say. I mean, the wow. kids in, huh. in in 1685 probably, but God, yeah. I okay. didn't realize there's only one more episode left. Yeah, they were, this you know, the Marvel shows are basically. They've announced they're all basically six hour, six hours. And so they'll either split it. You know, I think um, WandaVision was split into half hour episodes or you know eight episodes. Some were short, some were half hour, some were somewhere more an hour. Yeah. Um, WandaVision was not consistent with episode length. Yeah. But, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier, six hour episodes, uh, hour long episodes. Loki, same. Um, so we only have one more episode. And in this episode, I, I will say this is probably my favorite episode of Loki so far. Um, mostly because of the Thanos copter and, and uh, Throg showing up. Uh huh. I mean, just yeah, full of Easter eggs. Um, I, I, you know, Alligator Loki. I mean, th- th- this was definitely a fun episode. I thought Alligator Loki biting off uh, Loki's hand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, God, that was great. And then him just screaming. Yo, know, of course it was alternate Loki. It wasn't yeah. the the star of the show Loki. I, I just love that, and I loved the uh, the depiction of classic Loki. You know, like you know, like you know, the way Kirby drew mm-hmm. him. You know, I I, I oh, really yeah. got to that, that, that was just great, and not so yeah. much last episode when he kind of showed up, but actually seeing him interact and uh-huh. he was just he nailed the role. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, really getting to you know throw out some magic at the end of the episode, it was it was super cool. I dug yeah. it. I, I there's a lot here to like, and I think one of the things that I think is both creepy and I like it a lot is the relationship between Loki and Sylvie. Yes, 
very creepy. You know, I just, I, I, it, it is creepy, but it, it draws a sweetness out of uh, Hiddleston's performance. Well, it goes back to that, our old conversations of would you have sex with your your alternate gender clone? Apparently, yeah, Loki absolutely. would, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things. So Richard Grant plays classic Loki. Um, right. And he's just he's so good at it. So good at yeah. it. And, you know, Kid Loki is great also. Um, so, I mean, all the alternate version of Loki's well, are great. And Hammer Loki and then the big double cross, double cross yeah. in the uh, in the hideout. Mm-hmm. I just I just love this show. I, and I love I love its sense of humor, you know, and I was so happy that uh, Mobius is still alive. Yeah. And. He really is. I think they needed somebody strong to play against these Lokis, and right. I think Owen Wilson is just nailing it. You know, he has Absolutely. enough personality that he can stand next to Tom Hiddleston, mm-hmm. as well as well, whoever's playing Sylvie and all the other Lokis. And I don't remember the actor's name, but she was the uh, one of the TVA agents, and she helps Loki in the uh, yeah the uh, chamber where the Time Lords are. Mm-hmm. And then I never saw her. And I'm like, God, did she die I wondered in that? that. I mean, you know, not... like the, the editing on that final battle, I'm like, did she, did she die in the battle? Yeah. It's like she just disappeared. And, you know, so we see her in this episode and she's in a jail cell. And I was like, so happy that she was still alive. Because, <laughs> you know, now that, now that she knows who she is, you know, you're rooting for her. That actress was in um, Lovecraft Crunchy Country as well. Oh, was she the big girl? Mm-hmm. In Lovecraft Country? Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah, wow. it's a, it, this this episode was just filled with fun Easter eggs. Uh, one of the things that I'm going to say about Loki, because you know, I'm always the guy who says something negative about everything. Um, yeah, because that's just who yeah, you are, I'm just Paul. a negative You can't know joy. Well, you know, yeah. so Loki at the end of this episode very much has a heart-to-heart with Sylvie about, like, you can trust me. I'm a changed man. I'm a good human being. I never wow. betray you. That's not who I am anymore. Oh, you know he's going to betray. Well, he, one, yes, I hope. I hope so. Yeah. Because that's my, you know I'm yeah. thinking about where Loki. This Loki is not Endgame Loki. This is Loki after the first Avengers, and he was mm-hmm. not at that point in his emotional maturity that he. Well, but I think I do think that he is emotionally mature. I, yeah. I think that that he has gotten there over the course of these five episodes. Yeah. Yeah, because he's he's seen. He's seen what can happen and what has yeah, happened. Fair. Yeah, fair. Uh, so so I believe that journey, but I also believe that he is who he is, and at the end of the day, he's always going to make a choice for himself versus someone else. Now, that said, they could surprise us, and Sylvie could be the new Marvel Universe Loki. Maybe. You know, at the end of this, he could sacrifice himself for her. I just don't think that's who he is. Yeah. Well, and I'm, you know, I'm very curious, because there's obviously a lot of fan... Um, talk online about who is the big bad that they're building up to and you know a lot of people think it's um kang right because they're they're, kang is one of the characters that will be featured in the upcoming ant-man and the wasp movie and i can Uh, really see that him trying to ensure that his timeline is the one true timeline i thought that but i'm like that feels like for me if it was kang i'd be i feel like that was out of left field like it feels like they're like you wouldn't it feels like it should be somebody you know yeah, like why would you build up to yeah. kang when no one knows kang in the context of the show yet or the context of the mcu like you could have showed that in the first right. episode that the big bad is kang this entire time and they just don't know so i feel like if you're actually building up a mystery i've got to imagine it's 
just another Loki. That yeah. maybe you know, yeah. may, maybe it's the original that's, real that's, Loki, and we, we've been following variants this entire time or something. Yeah, I do. I do feel like that's what we're we're being led to is that it's another version of Loki. Mm-hmm. You know, or maybe it's Mobius. I, I think that's the only answer that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, in the context I, of the show, it's, it definitely feels like it, they're building up to it being Loki. Yeah, I yeah. my prediction for the final episode, though, is that uh, the TVA is going to be basically destroyed. And that's going to lead into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, because now there's a lot more multiverses happening. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, nobody that, 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 is nobody is pruning. So the timeline is going crazy. And so, you know, well, did you guys go ahead, Paul? I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say what in, what's interesting is we, we've talked a little bit about this before. Genuinely, the connection between the TV and movie universes. Um, and so, you know, the fact that this is setting up multiverse of madness, as did WandaVision, the fact that the Black Widow, you know, sets up Hawkeye. So there's kind of like TV shows are setting up movies and movies are setting up TV shows. And I wonder we're not those people, but I wonder if. If you were not watching the TV shows, would you lose something just by watching the movies? And I think we're only one movie into Phase Four, so it's hard to say. But right. I'd be very curious to for people who just you know look look at well, the TV shows and say, "Well, you look at Agents of Shield, like that's throwaway entertainment." You're probably fine with Shang Chi because you know he doesn't have any feet in in these uh, Disney Plus shows. That we know of, but yeah, right. Right. But, you know, uh, as you like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, this feels like, uh, you know, critical viewing, mm-hmm. you know, having watched, you know, the Loki show. Um, so I don't know. I think they're I too know. smart I, I think for it. Right. I think they'll find a way to tell you in the movie what happened on the TV show. Yeah. At least the relevant part. Yeah. Maybe you'll get more out of it having seen the show, but I can't imagine it would be entirely reliant on you having seen WandaVision and Loki. Um, yeah. But I guess we'll see. You know, yeah, Doctor so, Strange doesn't come out till next year. I don't think we talked about the previous episode of Loki, but uh, was anyone else just really happy to see Sif back? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. since she wasn't in the uh, the last one. Yeah, I've heard going right. forward they're bringing her back into the movies. So that that made me very happy. Well, that's good to hear. I've missed her. Yeah, I mean, she, I like was, her. she is such a good character for Thor that I want to see her back in the movies. Yeah, she just um she was well, playing a movie a TV series at the time I think is why she wasn't right. available. I very much enjoyed the Simpsons Loki special. <laughs> Me too. I thought that was funny. And and what I really enjoyed was the post credit uh, uh, courtroom scene where the the judge tells Loki that you know he's got disgusting hair. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, he does. He does. <laughs> I, I need I need someone to wash and style. <laughs> Yeah, that was fun. And so was the uh, – I know they did um, a Star Wars one too. They're short. I mean, you know, you load it up right. and it's like – they're like, it's six minutes long, but really it's only like – And three, three minutes of it's credits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they do yeah. like fun concept art during the credits, which is enjoyable. They do. Yeah, I watched yeah. the Star Wars one. I have not seen the Loki one. Oh, the Simpsons one. The Loki Simpsons one. This is terrible. I just – I very much enjoyed that. And it actually features Tom Hiddleston. So – Yeah. Which is funny. Yeah. So um, – in comic news this week, we had a, a couple of new releases that I wanted to, to bring up, including Justice League Infinity. And really, the main reason I wanted to bring this up was just because um, 
this is the relaunch of that Bruce Tim Justice League Unlimited universe, um, written by J.M.D. Mateus and James Tucker, who were writers on the series, art by Ethan Beavers, who I'm not familiar with, but you know has a similar-ish style to what we're see- used to seeing from these types of books. Um, it, it is, you know, it's it's kind of hard to. The book is good. The book is not great, but it is enjoyable hopping back into that universe and seeing some of these characters again, especially because, you know, at the end of by the end of Justice League Unlimited, we had all the characters really pop up at some point or another. Right. And so, you know, they really have all the characters at their disposal, including, um, you know, big focus on Mr. Miracle and Barda in this book. We see um, Booster Gold, uh, you know, and, and where this book is. For if you have seen Justice League Unlimited, and if you haven't, it's available on HBO Max. Absolutely see it. Um, this is about Calabac and Granny Goodness um, fighting for the void left by Darkseid uh, at the at the end of JLU. At the end of JLU, because you know they were fighting earlier mm-hmm. when they thought he was dead before he was resurrected by Lex yep. Luthor. Now they're refighting because so they returned. <laughs> they yeah. returned to fighting. Yeah, um, so they've returned to fighting, and at the same time, you've also got the the looming threat of Amazo. Um, you know, and again, Amazo set up in Justice League Unlimited that he, you know, be, you know, if you're not familiar with Amazo, he's an android that just continuously learns and learns and learns and learns, and, and he's kind of become omniscient at this point, um, kind of traveling the universe Silver Surfer style, and so it kind of sets that up as well. I uh, had not ever watched uh justice league unlimited prior to hbo max um i i thought that i had seen several episodes of it but apparently not uh but i just recently finished uh the series and i'm amazed at how strong the storytelling is and and the ongoing threads that are woven throughout uh i am deeply impressed with the ability of the writers to entertain both children watching the show and have an adult level that, you know, the the sense of humor just flies on by the kiddos. Uh, But on several occasions had me laughing out loud. Uh, I'm amazed that you've never seen it. You know, the, the problem with the, the post Superman, the animated series is it came out in a time of my life where I just didn't have a whole lot of time to watch TV. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, despite having Justice League on uh, DVD, I don't think I've seen all of Justice League. I've seen most of it. But, yeah, I'd never I'd never watched uh, JLU. And I got to tell you, I loved it. And it was nice to be able to watch it streaming and be able to just hit it back to back to back. I really binged mm-hmm. it. Uh, I... I, I I have almost nothing negative to say about it other than it felt like the last episode was rushed. Um, I, I, I was like, wow, you know, to have built up to this and then just all of a sudden, you know, it's over. It felt like it needed one more episode to breathe a little yeah, bit. JLU had one of my favorite episodes out of all of the Timverse episodes. And it was an episode called The Greatest Story Never Told, The Booster yeah. Gold Story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good episode. I, I, I really loved, enjoyed that one. Yeah, I loved that entire arc. Um, you know, Justice League Unlimited. I, the, especially, so the it was originally intended to end with season two, and that's why season two ends with, you know, the big flash um, moment uh, at the end of, of, of defeating Brainiac, right. and then they have a right. final episode called Epilogue 
that kind of ties together all the shows. Um, JLU, Batman, the animated series, Batman Beyond, and puts a nice capper on everything. Um, But then they got ready for season three. And so I'm glad they did because season three had the, you know, the dark side ending um, and some really great episodes in there as well. But yeah, it is, I mean, every episode is like 20 minutes long. You, 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 if you have not done, if you've not seen the all three seasons, you're doing yourself a disservice. Well, I'm certainly a better person after having watched all uh, three seasons of JLU. I mean, JLU is where I started to love the question. Oh yeah, and the, and that he's my favorite part of uh, of the of the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I truly deeply love the relationship they have between Huntress and the Question. Yeah, it's it's a great show. Yeah. And, and the Question show. was voiced by uh, Jer- Jeffrey Combs. Yeah, just perfect. Just yeah, perfect yeah. voice casting. Yeah, I, I love Jeffrey Combs. I love Jeffrey Combs in almost every size, shape, and form. Yeah, agree. Whether he's on Deep Space Nine or in Reanimator or wherever else he is, I just love Jeffrey yeah. Combs. And he, he's fantastic as the question. Mm-hmm. It's perfect casting. Well, and the other book I picked up this week, and I think Wayne picked this up with me, is Wonder Girl. Um, yep. So, Aaron, you did not pick up Wonder Girl. Issue one I, or you know, I don't – I did, actually. And I, I – you know, we were talking before we started recording, you know, Wayne was like, I completely missed, you know, Crime Syndicate came out this week. Well, I completely missed that Wonder Girl came out this week. Well, so and it's been I, a little I, bit since the first issue. Like, it feels like issue two came out. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. When, when did issue one come out? I feel like that was like uh, like two yeah. months ago. Um, and, you know, perhaps what we're seeing, because this book has split artists, is Joelle right. Jones is the writer and artist, but sharing art duties with Adriana Mello. Um, mm-hmm. who I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say it bluntly is no Joel Jones on art. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Like you would think that they would have brought in someone, um, I don't know, similar styles or maybe someone who could at least hold their own. Um, I did not care for the Adriana Mello art in this book. Uh, in fact, I gotta say, like, I don't know what you thought, Wayne. I really didn't like this issue at all. Wow. So I liked part of it. I hated part of it. I really yeah. like Yara's character, and I loved all of her interactions. I loved her fighting. I was uh, I was super excited to see Cassie Sandsmark show up, mm-hmm. except she felt completely out of character initially. Like, she is not the peppy, happy, running around character. She hasn't been that since, like, after she first showed up. She's been through too much character development from that. Now, later in the book, when she's fighting you know, Artemis, that was more the Cassie that I would expect. But it really felt out of place. And I'm getting confused when I read this issue. Why is everyone after her? I don't it's think like, we know yet. Yeah, and that's the thing is we've got different groups of Amazons after her for different reasons. We've got her own like people from Brazil after her. And it just isn't – the overall story isn't clicking. The character is clicking with me. I love her character. I love her interactions. But, yeah, this definitely was not as strong as issue one. And I think a big part of it is I just I need some gives. I need them to tell me why and not keep throwing. It's like they're blending all this mythology and it's not blending. It's oil and water. Yeah. Well, and I think what we're seeing, at least for me, what I'm seeing is they are they're writing for the trade. Um, we talked a little bit about this with Bendis's books a few weeks ago. They're writing for the trade. And so on an individual basis, not much has happened in the first two issues of the book. 
uh, it feels, and I'm like to Wayne's point, we still don't know what the hell's going on. Um, and it's been a while since the first issue. Maybe it's only been a month. I don't, you know, I don't know the exact release dates. Um, June, this one came out this week. The first issue came out May 18th. So it's been six weeks since the first issue. And for not much to really have happened, you know, in, in between the first and second issues, I feel like, I feel like I'd rather just wait for the trade because then I'll feel like I'll get a full story instead of right. pieces of a story. Yeah, she at least well, has her powers I, now. Well, there's that. I I don't, with the exception of like Strange Adventures where you've got Mitch Jarrods and uh, uh, Doc Shaner splitting the art duties, I feel like on a book like Wonder Girl that, does, that doesn't work really well. And I feel like the reason why they do it is because uh, Joelle Jones can't uh, deliver 22 pages at the same time as writing the story, mm-hmm. you know? And so they split up the artwork in order to help her out. Um, I really enjoyed the first issue, but hearing your review, I may just stick to reading this in Infinity, which is what I decided to do about JLI because I wasn't wild about the, the artwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I saw in the previews. I mean, I, the and you know, it was the way the pages were laid out. They just seemed too crowded in the preview pages. Uh, yeah, I gotta say, I love my uh, DC in, in, in Infinity app mm-hmm. um, or Infinite app, whatever the hell they call that thing, um, because I am I, I am making a lot of choices. They're like, I can wait on that. Yeah. You know, because they're really good about three months down the line dropping the the uh, comic to to the app. Um, so I, I I I feel like they may change that decision if others are, are making the same kinds of decisions that I am. That uh, you know, it might not be worth my time to spend that four dollars on a, on a book that number one came out six weeks from the first issue, and two has some questionable you know decisions around the art direction. Yeah, yeah. I really disliked most of the art for uh, Cassie Sandsmark Wonder Girl. Agreed. Yeah, they no, just, just did not. Wait. Yeah, did not nail that art at all. There was another book this week that I really wanted to pick up, but I was, and and it was a big book. It was fifty nine pages, but I was turned off by the uh, by the price point on it and the fact that it's a weekly book. It was a five dollar price point on Skybound X number one, and they're releasing this as a weekly book. And I'm like, number one, I don't need another weekly book. Um, you know, weekly books wear me out. I always uh, get get behind on them, and then it's a, a slog to get caught up. Um, I don't know if they plan on this being five dollars every week, but you know, I've, I'm always of the opinion that you know, make your your first issue a lower price so that I buy yeah. it, right? Yeah. Uh, that the fact that this was five bucks instead of four put me right out. I really wanted to read this book. I love the preview pages. Uh, I will pick it up on sale later on. Yeah, I was curious about that one too, but I will. I'll, I'll let you uh, check that one out for me. Well, I'm just going to get it on sale. Yeah. You know, they'll they'll put the whole. I may have to buy it next year, but uh, they'll they'll put it on sale. and I'll pick it up at 99 cents a, a, an issue as opposed to uh, you know five bucks an yeah. issue. Agreed. Because you know you're telling me you're going to have 52 52 issues of this thing. That's a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah. Anywho, hey Paul. What's coming out next week? Well, from DC Comics, we have new issues of Batman the Detective from Tom Taylor and Andy Kubert. New issues of Detective Comics, Justice League Wild Ride, or Last Ride, Rorschach, and Infinite Frontier, issue two. Um, mm-hmm. From Marvel Comics, we have the first issue of Sinister War from Nick Spencer and Mark Bagley, concluding the, the whole Nick Spencer arc 
on uh, Spider-Man, as well as the new issue of Thor. Ooh. And you know, we were talking before the show, and I, I went, ooh, I'm going to wait uh, to, to mention this. From Archaea Press, we have the first issue of Mouse Guard, the Owlhen Giver, or Caregiver. So the first new Mouse Guard from David Peterson. In forever. In, wow, ever. Um, yeah. Now, the bad thing is, it's only a one-shot. Uh, it's still not the the six part like war series that he's been talking about right. forever. Um, but Hey, I will absolutely pick it up. And um, if you are a comiXology unlimited fan, it is a 50% off uh, book. So it's normally four ninety nine, and you can get it for two fifty. Nice. Super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Hey, we want to know what you thought about black widow and Loki and all that other stuff. Give us a call at nine, seven, two, seven, six, three, five, nine, zero, three. That number once again, nine, seven, two, seven, six, three, five, nine, zero, three. And if we use your voicemail on the show, we might uh, rescue you from the falling evil opposite helicarrier. Maybe, maybe, or your opposite sex clone. <laughs> you can also <laughs> hit us up on social media, IOMGeek on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You know, that opposite gender clone thing, that is the gift that keeps on giving, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like they listen to our podcast. You know they do. I think that all of our likes on uh, iTunes are from our opposite gender clones. <laughs> I meant I our meant <laughs> not, not our clones. <laughs> See you next week, guys. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.